Welcome to the Dream Mason Podcast. I'm your host, Alex Terranova. Today, you get to hear episode two. Be humble, be present, and be kind with our guest, Spencer Hill. Spencer brings ease, patience, and extraordinary humbleness to his dreams. He's a father, a husband, and a genuine creator and creative. Spencer is an actor. He's appeared in CSI, True Blood, over 50 commercials, and he's the face of Avita's men's line. He's also the founder and designer for his own fashion line, Harold Hill. Today we get into what's it like to actually build a creative dream, what's it like to fight against the odds in the acting, modeling world, in the, in the field of sports. What do you do when your dreams and you... Uh, hit circumstances, difficulties, and how do you overcome them. We really dive into what it's like to transform your life and be a father and a husband. We talk about overcoming all sorts of obstacles in these creative fields. But really the thing that I believe that we're left with with Spencer is just how somebody can remain so present in their life, have goals, be super driven, not let anything stop them, and yet not be so attached to the goals that they have that it brings them down or upsets where they're going. Spencer is one of the most humble, coolest, kindest, and loving people I know. And I'm really excited to share episode two of the Dream Mason podcast and Spencer Hill with you guys. I hope you enjoy this episode and I really look forward to you creating something for yourself and generating value for yourself out of this conversation. I hope you enjoy it. Spencer, what's up, man? How you doing? Alex, how you doing, buddy? Good to hear from you, man. You too. I'm, uh, I'm, I was really excited that we could create a podcast. I think that you have a, uh, an awesome story to share. So I'm excited to, uh, to dive in and take a look into your world and share it with everyone else. Well, I, I appreciate you reaching out, man. We've, uh, I feel like we've both come, uh, come quite a ways since our since our days behind the bar at the good old sangria and American junkie in Hermosa beach. Right. <laughs> yeah, definitely. People don't know. I mean, I don't know that people realize, you know, my full background and that I, you know, was fully in the restaurant business and hospitality business. And we actually met behind a bar. Um, something really cool. And also, you know, I don't know that you know this. Um, you're one of those, since the day I met you, you're like one of those guys that people just like want to be around. You're, you're cool. You're funny. Um, you're good looking. You're, you're, um, you just have that energy that draws people in. And I remember when I met you behind the bar, there's not a lot of, I don't feel like there's a lot of, um, men that I would feel like intimidated by maybe their success, but I was like, man, this guy's, this guy's cool. This guy's just like a cool dude <laughs> and he's nice, which is worse. Cause now he's cool and he's nice. <laughs> But, so, you know, I, 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 I appreciate those, those very, very, uh, you know, all too kind words. Um, and, uh, you know, I've always thought very highly of you as well. Um, you know, I, I, um, I pride myself on being over the top nice to people. And I, I think that that's part of the reason I've got a, I've got such a great community of friends out here and, that's kind of a knock on LA is, is that people are, are superficial and, and maybe they're flaky or just not nice overall. And, and quite honestly, I've had, I've had the exact opposite 
um, experience since I got out here. You know, I've, I've been out here since 2001. I moved out here not knowing anybody. And since then have, you know, really, really, uh, you know, found myself in a position where I have just as many amazing friends that I would bend over backwards for, you know, do anything for, take a bullet for, whatever, um, that I had back home. And I know that they would do the same thing for me. So, um, I appreciate you saying that. And I, you know, I, I try to be as nice to people as possible because, you know, the alternative is what being, being rude and being nasty. And, and I, my mama didn't raise me that way. So I'm, uh, unless somebody gives me a reason to be, to be mean to them or to, you know, do anything like that. I, I'm, I go out of my way, like you said, to be, to be as nice as possible. And, and, uh, you know, part of the reason for that is, is you, you don't know what, what people are going through. You don't know their story and, and, you know, you don't, don't know what people are going through on a day-to-day basis. So why not give them the benefit of the doubt and go above and beyond? And a lot of times I make my best connections that way by being nice to strangers, strike up conversation. You, you, you never know, uh, you never know where that can go. It's cool that you, you know, I'm from here and my opinion of LA is really different being f- born and raised here. I have friends that I met along the way that were not from here. And then I have the people I grew up with and I hold LA as like, it's like anywhere else. It's, it's, you know, there's, there's great people. There's not so great people, but it's cool to hear you as somebody who transplanted here and has made it your home that you actually see it the same way. And it sounds like there's just, sure. I was, I was going to ask you about your kind of philosophy around it, but it just sounds like the philosophy is to be nice. And that's what comes back to you. Well, absolutely. And, and that's, that's with anywhere you go, any, any place you find yourself, you know, whether, whether you move to Kansas, New York, you know, any place. And I think, I think LA is, is just a little bit specific because everybody, you know, it's, you're, you're definitely in the minority in the, in the sense that you're from here. I don't meet many people, you know, when you, uh, when you meet people that are from here, they're kind of like unicorns, you know, just because there are so many transplants. But um, the fact the, the, <laughs> yeah, the fact that, that everybody, it is kind of a melting pot of all, of all, um, you know, demographics and stuff. It's I've always felt like I look at other people like they're my teammates, right? We're all, we're all in this game of life together. We're all trying to do the best we can. Everybody gets, Everybody gets down on themselves. Everybody has has stressors. Everybody has things that that are going on in their lives. If you just look at a dude that you don't know driving in traffic, or somebody at a restaurant, or somebody behind the bar you're working with as your teammate, just trying to get through this thing the best we possibly can, then it kind of it kind of you know makes you look at start to look at people a little bit differently because. I know as I've gotten older and, and it's kind of a grown up thing to say, it's when people ask you how things are, you're like, Oh man, I'm busy. So busy. Like everybody's busy. Everybody has stuff going on. So, um, you don't, don't think that you're special or you're unique because you're busy. Um, but just kind of do the best you can and, and, and honestly, you know, try to help people through what they're going through as best as you can. I love the I love the busy thing. I said, "All oh, busy is normal." If you're actually busy, you're <laughs> yeah, living yeah. a normal life. Um, that teammate thing is really cool. I've never heard anybody say that before. Um, and if you think about it, you know, you don't always love everyone on a team that you play with, but.
but you kind of have a exactly. goal, kind of have a common goal and you're there to help each other and support each other and you put those things aside to get further along and i would say a common goal for people is obviously like living a happy life a, uh, a life that they enjoy and feel fulfilled by you you know what i know about you and you can correct me if i'm i'm wrong like you so you moved out here you were you played college football right uh yeah i did i i went to kansas state and i was a uh I was a, a recruited walk on there, which, which doesn't mean much other than, you know, I didn't, I wasn't good enough to get a scholarship, but they still wanted me to, they still wanted me to come on board and get the crap kicked out of me by, by these, <laughs> uh, these, these blue chip athletes day in and day out. Um, so I was basically a, a punching bag and it was when, was when we, uh, we had the number, number one defense in the nation. So we had the number one defense in college football. And um, I played scout team tailback, so it was my job to give them the best look <laughs> as the best look possible. And so it was always a fine line between breaking one and uh, and then having to line it up again, knowing that the second time you ran that same play, you were going to get your ASS handed to you. Sorry, I do some spelling because I've got kids. I'm, they're not here, but it's just a habit. Um, <laughs> Get my get my get my ass handed to me, um, and or getting yelled at by a coach because you didn't didn't try hard enough or you didn't run hard enough. So that was that was an interesting time, and um, you know it was a great experience, obviously. But I was only there for a year and a half, and then I transferred from Kansas State to back to my hometown of Emporia, where there's a D two school, and so um, they offered me the same scholarship that they did out of high school. So I went back and played, played just one year there, um, in my hometown, which was awesome. And then, uh, and then I got hurt at the end of that year and transferred back to K-State and, and finished up there. So four years, K-State, one year at Emporia State. So I kind of jumped around little musical, musical chairs of colleges in Kansas. I didn't know we had, I didn't know we had that in common. I went to four colleges in, in uh, California in four years. <laughs> just kind of uh, just kind of wanting, wanting to spread it around huh <laughs> yeah you know I didn't I wasn't playing any sports I wasn't uh, good enough to play it would have been baseball for me I wasn't good enough to play in college but yeah I started up in in Santa Cruz and then did took a semester at UCLA did some time at Santa Monica College and then did my last two years at USC but that's funny um right so, fine, fine. You, you got it figured out though right yeah right I ended up at a strong place I I, I ended strong <laughs> um so then you moved out to LA, right, to act? Um, yeah, so I had had the opportunity um, to do some really small time modeling stuff in, in the Kansas City market. Um, and it was basically basically all print stuff. But through that, I had the opportunity to, to audition for a couple of commercials. Um, and again, very, very small market stuff. But I, I had some, some success and booked like the two, the first three or four things that I went on. Um, and it was obviously good money. And I enjoyed, I enjoyed the people that I met. I enjoyed, you know, being in front of the camera and, and I thought that I was, you know, decent at it at least. And so um, I started, I started thinking about making the move out to California if it was something that I really, that I really wanted to do. So I, I ended up moving out here September 6th of 2001. So um, the, the summer after my, the summer after my senior year, after I graduated from K-State, I moved out. What was it like to, um, 
you know, I mean, you still act. So what's it like to be in a field, especially as somebody who's like, hey, I want to be nice all the time. I want to look at people on my team. And then you choose a field where there's couldn't be more judging and assessing. You know, <laughs> excuse me. Um, you know, it's, it's interesting because I, I've, I'm always uh, of the mindset from, you know, an athletic background and really anything that I've ever done that, that dedication and hard work and putting your time in equals success. And it couldn't be more the opposite, like you just said, because, you know, if I, if I go to class and, and I'm in an acting school or I, I do a play or I'm going to casting director workshops and I'm thinking that I'm doing all, you know, I'm connecting all the dots and doing everything to the best of my ability, I still have to go stand in front of somebody who is, has a fully subjective opinion of how I will do a scene for them in, in an audition room. So, um, and obviously there's, there's politics and there's different things that, that go on behind the scenes as far as, um, agents and agencies and this and that. But, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's definitely interesting. It's, it's, I, I enjoy, I enjoy the hustle and I've, I've been lucky enough to have some, um, I kind of jokingly call them glimpses of greatness. I've gotten to meet some cool people and, and, and be on some fun projects, but, um, yeah, you know, I still, I, I still think that there's a place, um, even though there's a lot of weirdness going on in Hollywood lately with all these, all these scandals going on. I, I think there's still a very much a place for people who are, are, good people at heart and are and live with integrity and you know just live with intention and, and treat people how they want to be treated and that's the way I was raised you know the old golden rule and and so um, I've never looked at Hollywood as a cutthroat sort of experience I look at it like hey if I didn't get it it wasn't right for me it wasn't you know in my plan I've never gotten too stressed out about that because I feel like there's um, I'm always like, there's enough to go around, you know, I'll get mine. The abund like the abundance factor trained to think that there isn't enough of whatever it is. There's sure. enough jobs. There's enough time. There's enough money. And I'm a believer that it's a mindset and the people that actually see the world like you do are the ones that have the experience of abundance. And you, I, I could, I couldn't, I couldn't agree more. And I think you, um, what's the big dream when it comes to acting big vision or the big dream? Um, you know, I, I, I think that um, I think that there used to be a big dream um, of of um, you know being being a movie star and and working steadily on on movies and you know that's that's kind of I, I think the goal for a lot of people just because of your your schedule is not so nine to five ish you know if you book an episodic it's obviously great money and 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 it's an awesome job to get but. I think that back in the day it was to be on movies and be, you know, working from film to film and traveling the world. And um, now it's just a book work, man. The the industry has changed so much since since I started. Uh, you know, there's been strikes and there's been a big shift from TV to movies. So you have all these big big movie stars that are now doing TV. Um, which kind of adds the trickle down effect to where I used to be able to have a good chance at booking a big kind of a meaty 
guest star role on a TV show. And now the way the industry works is that a lot of times those are just straight offers to name actors or to, to actors that are with, you know, CAA or, or WME or, you know, um, UTA. So um, right now I, I love the, the zone I'm in as far as I, I consider myself a decently successful commercial actor. Um, I get to audition for, for TV and movie stuff uh, just a little bit. Obviously, I would always like to be doing more. Um, but I, uh, I just want to work, man. I just want to feel like I'm, I'm being an artist and being able to, to be as creative as I can possibly be. And, uh, yeah, just, uh, just whatever work comes my way. I'm, I'm all about it. Nice. I like that you started, um, you know, you just talked about like being creative and doing, um, just like kind of having, having that energy always in your space. And then you created a clothing company, Harold Hill, when did you create that? Um, well, <clears throat> it's funny. I, I um, back in the day where it was like, and this was, gosh, when was this trend where it was like you you wore a graphic tee t-shirt and then you wore a like a sport coat over it, maybe talking like two thousand five. Um, <laughs> I was like that back where it was like that, and then like a trucker hat. It was like in the like. Ashton Kutcher punk days and I'm dating myself and probably um, not painting a very cool picture, but um, <clears throat> those are not, highlight, go, those I, are not highlight years I, in LA. Those are the bad, those yeah. are bad years. Yeah, exactly. I'm, I'm pretty sure I still had frosted tips at that point in time. Um, but anyway, I would go to all these thrift shops and buy these, um, these secondhand blazers and I would de deconstruct them and start to sew. I taught myself how to sew and just sew at my sewing machine and like make them, make them like custom and whatever. And all my friends loved them. So I started making them for people. And, and so through that people started, you know, basically saying, you should start, let's start a clothing line. And it wasn't until 2013 where I, uh, I decided to kind of liquidate some of some of the savings that I had and and really go for it um and still Harold Hill has always kind of been a been a um let's see, like small time endeavor um you know we never really had any big investment money involved and so we've done really small runs of things um but we launched Harold Hill in um 2013 so I uh I always joke around that um, I traded my my zero security acting job um, and supplemented it with another zero security, just as cutthroat career in uh, in fashion um, with no fashion background. So um, it's been an interesting ride. You know, I, I started it in Venice, and so that's kind of the the nine zero two nine one is is in our logo, and and it was. It was during a time where Venice, you know, just like the acting uh, world has changed, as you know, Venice has changed almost more than any place that, that uh, you know, I, I guess, aside from like Silver Lake and some places on the east side, Venice has changed just about as much as any town or city has in the L.A. area. Um, huge influx of money going on as far as the tech companies moving in and, and um I'm not as tied to Venice as I used to be, obviously. I, we, we live in Hermosa now, but um, I, I'm always going to keep 90291 in our logo just because 
um, that period of my life uh, is still uh, I, I look upon with fondness for sure. So, um, two thousand. The 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 short answer to your question is two thousand and thirteen. So, I'm getting a little long winded there. I apologize. It's all good. What's the um? I'm thinking about like you know you do you've done the three things we've talked about football where you're getting your your butt handed to you because you know the role that you were playing acting is probably one of the most aggressive competitive cutthroat industries then you go into fashion and I know from fashion for a little while that i mean it's it might be creative but it's not an easy industry to dive into especially <laughs> like a big company um what gives you that ability to just take risks and go and it, it almost just occurs like you play out and go for your dream without being attached to it needing to go a certain way? Um, yeah, you know, uh, first and foremost, um, my upbringing, um, it plays a huge part in that. You know, I, I, I come from a, um, a very loving, very supportive family who, who always, you know, I think instilled in me a, a a belief that I could do anything, and I think that 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 uh, belief borders on delusion uh, sometimes. Um, but but through uh, but through all these things, you know, my my folks still you know stand behind me 100%, and and if if they see my passion for something, they they uh, will have always and continue to do everything they can to cultivate that. So. Um, you know, it starts with my folks and then, and then, you know, little, little glimpses of success here and there and, and truly feeling like, um, I'm at my best when I'm stepping outside of my comfort zone, um, whether it be being creative, whether it be, um, being a father, whether it be meeting new people, as long as I'm kind of pushing the boundaries of my comfort zone, I feel like that's, um, honestly where i'm the most comfortable i know that's kind of i know that's kind of oxymoron but i i, I get a i get a little bit of uh, an adrenaline rush or a thrill from maybe accomplishing things that i really have no business accomplishing <laughs> I, I mean it's funny but it like makes it makes sense from from my like as a coach um it makes sense to me because our mind's job would be to keep us safe, to keep us protected, to avoid big risks, um, really to keep everything the same. And what I hear you saying is, it just sounds like you follow more of your heart and more of your your soul or some, from somewhere else, wherever you want to say it comes from, um, because your mind could tell you all the reasons why, you know, being a father of two and being an actor is a bad idea. Um, or starting a clothing company with no experience is a silly idea. But that didn't stop you. Um, no, man. You know, I, I and and I've been able to learn. Um, I I've got some great friends, and uh, when it comes to fashion, that have that have kind of helped me along the way. You know, they're guys that have the same mindset as me, as as uh, as far as the abundance factor goes. That uh, that kind of when I first started, they they helped me and they they mentored me in a sense and helped me kind of find my way as far as um, as far as finding um, production and finding other you know auxiliary people and support people to help me um, with my with my clothing line. Um, 
And, you know, I, I feel like mentorship is a huge deal um, when it comes to those things, because if you can't, if you can't learn from the mistakes that some people made before you, um, you're, you're bound to make some of those mistakes. And I've, I've made plenty, but um, luckily I've had some, I've had some decent help along the way as well. Yeah. It's, it's also one of the things I get that I've always got from you is there's a lot of, there's the ups and downs, but it seems like it's fun the whole time. And that when we started this conversation and we were talking about the, being nice and that and being kind to people and the the people that are around you because of it um it just seems like in an unintentional way it sets you up to have these amazing people around you when you really need them absolutely i i couldn't have said it better myself you know when when i when i first met my wife um she she always would make fun of me because she you know she's social but in a different way than I am and I I feel like when I say yes to something and when I tell somebody I'm going to be there I'm going to be there no matter if it's you know uh eight o'clock in the morning in Silver Lake or whether it's you know just down the street from me so so having that rapport with people and building my reputation as not only a nice person or a cool person, you know, I, I don't know how cool I am. I, I, I think that I'm, I, I guess I'm cool enough. I think I'm a huge dork too, but, um, I, I be saying what I do or, or sorry, telling somebody that I'm going to do something and then following through and, and doing that, I feel like people do that for me too. So it's kind of the reciprocity thing where, where I have a lot of people that I can count on because I have a lot of people that can count on me. I don't, I, I'm not flaky. And I, 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 if I tell you I'm going to do something, I'm going to do it. Nice. I mean, people don't know that's it's, it's actually cool to hear you say that. Cause the, the way this conversation started this morning, like you texted me, I was, I was just finishing up a yoga class. I get out, I turn on my phone and I had the message from you, like, hey, you you basically were having a child care issue. Right. And, you know, I do a lot of work with people to help them do exactly what you said. Like, your integrity in this world, and I don't mean moralistic integrity, I mean personal integrity. Like, you do and be what you say. And um, and it was, it was pretty awesome, because, like, within 10 minutes, you basically worked it out. <coughs> and you didn't, and the thing is, you didn't have to. You could have easily been like, I got a child care issue. And, and if you think, I mean, I know, you know, parents that they'll say they would do something and the child care issue would be the thing that would have them not do it. Um, and it's not a, I'm not saying this from like a judgment piece, but there's something really powerful about people that say they're going to do something and no matter what shows up, because that's what happens in life, stuff shows up. Um, they're able to generate outside of that thing that shows up, whatever it is, whether it be a health issue, a child care issue, a money issue. So it was, it was, yeah, absolutely. And, and it just kind of goes back to, to do it. You know, if, if you say something you, that you're going to do, do it. You know, I've, I've had, I've had situations, um, come up similar to today where, where, you know, we spoke last week about setting this thing up and, and, uh, and then it, it gets pushed for one reason or another. And then, you know, I drop the ball, you drop the ball, and a month later, you still haven't met up to do something. And, you know, whose fault is that? Well, I, if, if I would have just 
you know, thought ahead or, 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 you know, figured it out at the time. It just took, you know, a couple seconds of my time to figure that out, you know, and everything's fine. Everything worked out. Um, you know, I know your time is val valuable. You told me you had back-to-back -back clients starting at 10. So I didn't want you to have to go through something after we had already, you know, set something up, you know? So I, like I said, I, I've, I've, scheduled coffee with buddies and then they've had something come up and then I haven't seen them for six months. So I didn't want to be that guy. Yeah. I, 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 I just, I just, I just know that it's easier. It's easier. You know, a lot of people, like you said, will use the childcare thing as, as their crutch not to do stuff. And, and I, I try not to do that. My wife and I both try to do that, try not to do that as much as possible, I should say. It's awesome because it's easy to do. And I don't mean just with childcare. Like people can use, there's a billion things that come up, but it's, it's admirable when, well, first of all, to hear like, Hey, you were actually thinking about another person, like how it would inconvenience another person. I'm just a believer that this is what, this is what success is. Uh, people are successful because they do what they say they're going to do. And people that aren't successful don't do what they say they're going to do. And the only way to actually build that muscle that like, I want to say it's like a trust muscle with yourself to really be able to depend and have faith in yourself is to do it on the little things. You can't say I'm going to write a book and then go do it. If you can't even say, I'm going to get to a, a you know, a, the gym and not get there, or I'm going to make coffee and not get there. The little things add up to the big thing. I, uh, yeah, I couldn't agree more. It's funny. I just finished this book called, uh, called the compound effect by Darren Hardy. Have you heard of it? Yeah. Yeah, totally. Uh, um, and that's, you just, you just basically summarize the book. It's, it's about the uh, little things done over a period of time that, that amount to big results. And, um, you know, the, I guess kind of the theme of our talk so far is just being, being somebody with integrity and, and being nice to people and just being an overall good person day after day and, and doing it in the little things, you know, the, the, the little details and, and hopefully, you know, hopefully they continue to reap, reap big rewards, you know, and that, that can be, that can be in a form of, of work or it can be in the form of, of amazing friendships. It can be anything that you, you know, want them to. Yeah. What's the, um, what's the big goal or the big vision dream for Harold Hill? Um, you know, I, I'm, I'm comfortable right now with Harold Hill just being kind of a glorified hobby for me. I, like I said earlier, I enjoy, I enjoy the fact that I have my own clothing line. I enjoy the fact that it's, that it's kind of got a cult following. I've got some really loyal customers that I've built over the years that, continue to buy my stuff i'm i'm in i'm in two stores in la one in one called animal house that is literally right in the heart of venice it's right underneath the venice sign and uh ron and caitlin since the day i started my line have been like stoked to uh to represent my brand and and vice versa um and then another friend uh friend brooke rod who has a as a um a store on 17th and ocean park carries my stuff. So, um, and I, I never really, and this is, this is, uh, uh, you know, faux pas on my part, as far as starting a business without a clear, 
goal in mind or w- uh, without a clear, you know, defined business plan. I think that's kind of where I maybe, uh, maybe um, misstepped a little bit because if I had to do it differently, I would have gone out and raised a bunch of money and, and figured out how it was going to work. Right. So I never wanted to go down the wholesale road because, you know, I, I don't have the money to go do trade shows and do a bunch of samples. So basically what I do is make stuff that I like to wear and, and hope, hope that it sells. Um, and so I'm, I'm, you know, every time that I get a little nug, every time I get a little nugget of money that I'm able to put towards Harold Hill, I, I do that. And then, uh, and then I put it up and, and usually, you know, you know, uh, luckily, usually people dig it and it sells. Um, and I think for now in this, where I'm at right now, as far as, as far as my journey uh, on my path to, uh, of fatherhood and stuff, I'm, I'm kind of, I'm, I'm comfortable where Harold Hill is. I enjoy that it keeps me creative in the, in the times where maybe acting is a little bit slower because um, I'm still I'm still designing stuff and I'm still um, you know going downtown and, and doing that hustle. So I've I've enjoyed I, I really have enjoyed the education of how the fashion industry works specifically in LA. I want to turn because I think there's there's something that we've talked about, which is the family and the dad aspect, and um, I think can we turn and talk about that? A hundred percent. Um, I want to, cause people don't, you know, if they don't know who you are and, and I want to, I want to set this up as in you are, you know, when I met you, you were like the, I want to say it was like a, almost a stereotypical, like bartender, you know, you, you had a lot of fun, you made a lot of money. Um, you, you went out, you know, I don't, I don't know what you're actually doing, but you could go out, you, you dated a lot, right? No, it's not, I'm not stretching when I say that you dated a lot. You had, you had your fun in that way. Um, sure. And when I met you, you were actually in your second engagement. Um, I met you right around that time, um, which ended up not working out and, and you can dive into whatever you want to, but what I, what I, I'm saying all this, cause I think you really embody a, um, you're a man, you're a masculine man. You carry the traditional aspects of male masculinity like this, the stereotypes of it. And in the bar restaurant culture world, those things kind of get like magnified. Um, but you almost like had a moment in life where you, when you met your wife, when you guys started having kids, where I have it that you embraced another side, you really embraced like fatherhood and, and being a committed husband and getting vulnerable and, and really um, kind of putting down the stereotypical masculinity to have fun and be a dad and be a partner. Absolutely. I mean, you, uh, you said it, Let, let's get, let's, let me clarify first. Uh, the second, uh, the relationship you're talking about, um, before, uh, I was never engaged to her. We, we lived together, but there was never any sort of engagement that went okay. on. Um, but yeah, that's, that's when that's, um, that's when I met you and, and you said it, it, it ended, um, and honestly, that was the biggest blessing in disguise. The way it, the way it ended was kind of public and and got a little weird. But honestly, the best uh, the best blessing in disguise that I could have possibly ever gotten because um, you know God God works in mysterious ways and timing is everything and whatever other cliche saying you want to say. But 
I honestly feel that all those things had to fall into place for me to meet my wife, which um, um, is no question about it, is the one for me and my soulmate. And um, yeah, I met her. I met her while we were working at Sangria. I, I didn't, that's not how I met her. Our, our friends of friends introduced us um, via Facebook and said we should meet. And we were both kind of getting out of our respective relationships. And uh, neither one of us were looking for anything. But then she showed up. And, and uh, um, in my opinion, my wife is kind of a knockout. And so I, uh, I uh, did a bunch of... Uh, funny things when I saw her just like basically made a fool of myself but it was like it was electric and it was awesome and and we've been together ever since so um yeah you know I um going down the uh going down the family road when when you go through you know failed a failed engagement and then another relationship that you maybe thought was going to be um one that lasted and you, st you know you're in your mid-30s not that that's not that that's old by any means but you start to kind of wonder if it's ever going to happen for you or or maybe parenthood isn't in your big picture um so I started having those kind of internal dialogues with myself and um and then when I met Leash I know that it, I knew that it was you know that was definitely in in our future and uh fatherhood has been the biggest blessing that I've ever had in my life you know we've got two beautiful baby boys who I get to pour myself into and and instill all the things that that my parents instilled in me you know the um the self-confidence the the vulnerability the the happy-go-lucky attitude um and yeah it's 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 you you touched on masculinity a little bit and uh I'm not sure if there's, you know, obviously there's the Marlboro man masculinity and there's the tough, tough guy masculinity. And I don't think that I've ever really embodied those, um, those qualities. Um, I've always kind of been maybe in touch with my feminine side, if you will. Um, it's, uh, it's funny, my, uh, I've got a, I've got a buddy, I don't know if you uh, you know a guy named Justin Baldoni, but he's doing a uh, a huge series, and he just did a TED talk um, that is that is a must listen. It's called uh, um, "We Are Man Enough," and it talks about masculinity and and in this day and age, and how it's not it's how it's not telling a kid that he shouldn't cry. It's not it's not you know showing your your soft side and being afraid to cry and all those things and I think that's really important um, to to let boys know that they that they need to be in touch with those sides, and it's not it's not healthy to push those things aside. And and maybe like our fathers' fathers used to tell them not to cry or that don't be a sissy or whatever. Those are uh, those are things that that never uh, never come out of my mouth at all. <laughs> I try to I try to let them be who they're going to be. And um, and find things they're interested in, and then help them nurture those. You know, what do you when you think about your your boys, and you think about like the future and them growing up and living their own lives? What do you dream about for them? I dream that uh, that they are thoughtful, um, intentional, 
dynamic young men. I I I, I dream they're they're fearless, and and I don't I don't say fearless um, that they're not afraid of things. I I say fearless more in the sense that they have an attitude that they can go out into the world and do anything and everything that they set their mind to. I mean that like seeing seeing a, a little kid. Um, you know, that glimmer in their eye when they accomplish something new or when they maybe get the self-confidence to try something else and then they succeed at it and, and seeing the joy in their eyes and seeing, the, seeing them look over at their parent with just this huge prideful, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a look that will just melt, you know, bring a grown man to, to his knees. Um, and I, I want to have those, those feelings over and over again. And, and I'm, I'm lucky enough that I have, I have two awesome little dudes that I think are going to do just that, like, just make me the proudest dad in the world. What do you think makes you guys, uh, you know, look, I'm, I'm, I'm no expert in parenting. I don't pretend to be, but my impression of you and your wife is that you guys have a lot of fun. You guys love your kids a lot and that you're, you're doing a good job. Um, what do you think makes you guys good parents? Um, gosh, that's a good question. Um, I think that, that the, when you start to realize that it's all about communication and patience, especially when they're little, um, you're doing yourself a huge favor because when a kid is completely melting down in a restaurant or, or in the middle of a, a, you know, target or something, you, it's impossible to combat his tantrum with you being short tempered. So you, the only way to really like, um, what's the word? The only way to diffuse that situation is by being patient and, sort of talking them through it. If you try to, if you try to butt heads with, with a, a toddler, you're, you're going to lose that battle most times. So I, I feel like we do a good job of, of talking to each other about that, helping each other through the times where we're maybe not the most patient. Um, and, you know, we just do a really good job of, of balancing each other out and, and, you know, we both have the luxury of working from home uh, for the most part, and so we we co-parent to the you know to the max. We um, juggle when somebody else has something going on, and we're able to sort of piecemeal what our schedules look like because it's anything but ordinary. We're we're all over the place. We're having to throw the kids in cars to go to auditions. We're having family auditions. We're having to drop off in daycare, schedule sitters. Um, so it's definitely it's definitely a, a, a not a schedule based um, prototypical relationship um, with our family, but you know we like you said we we make it work and and it's uh, it's definitely uh, it's definitely fun. We we like to keep it light. We like to keep it fun. Lots of laughs, a lot of silliness, and uh, we want our kids to know that that no matter what happens and no matter what they do, that that mom and dad are always always here for them. It's cool because that's the impression. That's pretty much what you guys put out into the world. Like I probably could have gotten, you know, just w kind of keeping up with you guys on social media and whatnot. It's that's actually the impression that you give. Um, I don't know if you guys know this, but like you guys make parenting look fun. Um, 
for somebody like me who is it's the idea of being a, like a parent and have to devote yourself to a, a kid fully is like very like that scares me a lot um and you guys actually make it look fun so kudos to you guys for that um and you guys have been killing it in the things that you're up to at the same time i know um i was living in when i was living in new york you you and your wife kept popping up in my world you know i'd see her on like an amazon commercial i'd see you your face blasted across a uh a vino or is that what it was um uh aveda yeah aveda yeah thanks yeah uh, and then like i'm going <laughs> to chase bank before a meeting and you're on the atm machine and i was like man these guys are not only are these guys producing life and it seemed like having a good time doing it they're like popping up all over the place and then i saw something that you guys did you posted something online uh recently and it's totally like something that I would do that I would train with a client, but you had a, I want you to tell me more about this. Cause I thought it was, it was really cool when I saw it and I only got a piece of it. You guys have a huge whiteboard, right? With like your goals on it. Yeah. Uh-huh. Absolutely. And, and all I saw was like, you guys were keeping tracks track of the gigs you were getting and you had a number that you were trying to reach. Will you tell me more about that? Um, well, I, I, I think that goal setting is, is very important and, and, and more specifically writing those down to try to keep, keep yourself and others accountable. So that was basically all that was. And, and we set kind of a, we started getting cranking a year ago in, in January and, and we're on a good roll. And, um, and so we set a number of 60 jobs uh, for 2000 and. 17 which you know you, you add that up that's over a job a week and that's kind of unheard of but i guess when you got when you got a four family uh, a four person income and four chances at it it gives uh, gives you a better shot at, at hitting those numbers but you know the the main thing that i write on the top of all of our whiteboards is that we are wealthy um and I, I firmly believe that we're wealthy because we have so much love in our house. It doesn't, doesn't have anything to do with how much money is in our, our bank account. And, you know, you, you touched on the, uh, you touched on the, uh, the Aveda thing and the Chase thing. And, and during that year that those came out, it was really interesting because we were, we were strapped for cash and it was, it was, um, we had some thin months and during that time and, you know, this is maybe something that a lot of people don't know. I was, I was driving Lyft while, while that Aveda sign was literally worldwide everywhere. I'd have all my friends hitting me up, um, showing me like a 20 foot picture of my face and, and joking around about it. And so I would literally be driving Lyft. I'd be, have, have people in the back of my car driving down Larchmont and I would look over and there'd be a like a 10 foot picture of my face. So it's like, it's not all it's not like a lot of times, uh, you know, especially in LA when, when people are, are acting and they're really pursuing a, uh, a, a, a career in the arts, they have to piecemeal what their, what their uh, income looks like. And that was during a time where I, where I had to um, obviously lift, lift was a, a great alternative for me. It wasn't, it wasn't, um, my favorite thing to do, but I drove Lyft for a couple months during that time to, to make ends meet. So, um, well, thank, yeah. dude, thanks, thanks for sharing that. I had I didn't know that. And, um, you know, I think that actually says, I think one of the, 
it's a lesson that I've been learning a lot lately, which is, you know, we look out of our lens at other people's lives and we think, you know, I, I was under the impression you were just killing it. You know, you guys were just killing it and, and like living the dream in a way. And it's not to say that you weren't, I love the, we are wealthy. I say to myself on a daily basis, I am enough. I am valuable. I am loved and I am love. Like, to mm-hmm. like beat that into my subconscious because that's not the, what the voice in our heads is telling us. I love that we are wealthy as an addition to that. But I, I, that idea that you were doing this thing that, you know, there's nothing wrong with obviously driving Lyft or doing all sorts of random jobs, but that's not what you wanted to do. You had these other way bigger goals and these things that you were attached to. You've, you've also bartended and, and done jobs in like some of the coolest environments in LA. And so I bet it, it took a little something for you to actually take a step and go, I'm going to do this because I need this money. And people don't see it. You know, um, people only see yeah. uh, like the top of the ice. And we've all seen that picture, you know, like the iceberg, you only see the peak of it, but yet under the water, it's like goes super deep and it's way the mass yeah. is there. And we just don't see when people are successful, whether it be through little ads or family or whatever, all the little things that actually got them there. So thanks for mm-hmm. sharing. thanks for sharing that because I think that stuff is, you know, valuable. I was actually just listening to a coach the other day, who uh, this guy named Ed Milet. He's like one of the biggest coaches in the world, um, probably a millionaire these days. And he was talking about how the first five years of his business, he was just like scraping by, like it was failure after failure after failure, and we just don't see it. We just see his houses and his boats, and we think. It just that's what he had that's what he got so thanks for sharing that um yeah of course dude, what's your um what's your big dream for the world oh gosh that's a that's kind of a loaded question you know i i uh, i feel like i guess my uh my dream for the world uh, uh, is that people are compassionate and people are supportive and and i i want the world to be a place that I'm not scared to send my kids out into, and I feel like I feel like there's so there's so many great things that happen in the world, um, and that people are a part of. And unfortunately, our our um, our news stream and and whatever the the immediacy of so many bad things happen happening in our world kind of um, I guess they kind of eclipse all the good things that happen. Um, I want people to start focusing on the good things and and um, really taking pride and and maybe being one of the one of the factors that leads to the world being an amazing place, this amazing community to uh, to spread love and and give love, give love. If you could give people one one tip, one piece of advice that would help them, I don't know, be be more or less, less fearful, more courageous in going after their dreams, um, or maybe even just like being more loving or more positive, what would it be? Um, you know, I, 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 let me see. Let me think about that for a second. You know, I, uh, I feel like, again, going back to the whole, the whole teammate thing, if you, if you really feel like you can accomplish something, and you really feel like that's your purpose in life, go after it with reckless abandon and, and don't let anybody or anything 
dissuade you from that or discourage you. It's like there's there's people out there doing some amazing things that have no business doing that surely because of the fact that they just believe in themselves. They surrounded themselves with with people that also believed in them and, and poured into their dreams. So being nice to people will, will obviously, you know, get you in that community of, of people that you can start to trust and start to um, maybe lean on in your, in your not so strong times and just, and just build from there. That's great. Thanks, man. Um, Spencer, thanks for, uh, Thanks for sharing like a really, you know, pieces of your life with us. You, um, I think that you are totally an embodiment of what it means to be a dream mason. You have dreams. Some are big, some are small, some are, you know, have, some are just about family and love. Um, but the thing that makes you, that makes everybody has dreams, but you're willing to like put them out there. You're willing to write them on a, on a whiteboard and actually fulfill or not fulfill. It's not actually about like hitting it. It's actually about going for it, playing for it, um, being a good person in the process, but also that you're willing to build it. You know, you're, you're, you actually realize that we don't just get to like say we want to do stuff. You actually have to go out there, put in the work, drive the lift when that's part of getting you to where you want to go. And it's not always fun, but you actually get to relate to it the way you choose and it sounds like you've related to it in a really positive way thanks for being inspiring and um and really like setting the bar uh high for people that want to do stuff with their life and also being um a loving dad and husband at the same time i uh, i appreciate that man you 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 entered with some kind words and you uh were exiting with some kind words and i really appreciate that man i uh um, am honored that you reached out and I'm really proud of you, uh, uh, for starting dream Mason and, and the, uh, the strides you're taking. Cause I think you're, you and I are both cut from the same cloth. You're nice people and, and also go getters that, that feel like they can, uh, go out there and accomplish awesome things and, and do a lot of good in the world. Thanks, man. I appreciate you saying that. Um, you got it, buddy. It was great to have you on. Well, there you have it. I am super grateful and thankful to Spencer Hill for joining us on episode two of the Dream Mason podcast. That's two episodes down, guys. Hey, thanks for listening. I'm grateful for Spencer for being here. I'm grateful and thankful to everyone that's listening, everyone that listened to the first podcast. I have received so many text messages, emails, Instagram, Facebook, whatnot, sharing up with Spencer. You can find him on Instagram at Spence Hill or Harold Hill. You can also track down some of his awesome clothing at haroldhill.com. And if you want to track me down, stalk me, harass me, whatever, you can find me at inspirationalalex on Instagram, as well as alex at thedreammason.com if you want to shoot me an email, or if you want to check out my website, it's thedreammason.com. Please tag, share, and subscribe to the Dream Mason podcast. You know, if you know somebody who could get value from listening to this or it could improve their life, please share it with them and share anything with me that you want. I'm open to it. I love it. Thanks again. And I hope you guys come back and check out episode three of the Dream Mason podcast. Remember, you are a Dream Mason because your dreams don't build themselves.